Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Francisco L. Borges and the Melville Charitable Trust. Faith here with your welcome toast, Cheese is Milk's Leap Toward Immortality. Thanks for joining the party on the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze. What a delicious show we have for you. Big Italian focus. Italian food importer and cookbook author Rolando Beramendi. It teaches us how to cook real Italian, including his recipes for extra virgin olive oil cake and a no-crust pizza. We have Connecticut lawyer Carlo Forzani. He's inherited his family's ancestral home in a region of Italy where I've led a food and wine tour and I think is one of my favorite places in Italy to be, in Piemonte. It's gorgeous, and because it's located, his family vineyard, in this prized wine area, he's going to start producing wine there for us, for the international market, and I don't know about you, but it puts a chill up my spine because don't we go by those grapevines all over the place and say, oh, I'd like to be doing that. Okay, a letter has just gone out. The rumors are true. I am leading a new food and wine trip this fall to Italy's undiscovered southern coast, the Puglia region. Information coming your way, Mark. You know Puglia. <laughs> oh, what a beautiful, beautiful place. Gorgeous. The food, the wine, the people. You know that aqua pool color? This is the water we're talking about Aww. in beaches. Like, unbelievable. Okay. And our new Southwestern food correspondent, Alex Province, will be joining us regularly, including today, from his home base in Phoenix, Arizona, to teach us as he learns how to cook and drink Southwestern. Alex is connecting with us from our sister public radio station, KJZZ in Phoenix, Alex, I can't tell you how much it means to me to have all of us to have you back at the table with us. Oh, thanks, Faith. So oh, good yeah. Yes. Welcome back. All right. Here you go, buddy. Alongside <laughs> with Alex, my food buddies are here as always at the Big G, the professional culinary education training kitchens at Gateway Community College in downtown New Haven. Our Faith Middleton Food Schmooze studios are here. Chris Prosperi and Mark Raymond, they're here. And also, senior producer Robin Doyen Aiken, and as I mentioned, Connecticut lawyer and winemaker Carlo Forzani, who's brought us wine and he made his food. Hey, everybody. Hey, hey. Hey, can I tell you something? Two people who listen to the show, Ed Bonham Lee and Tom Griggs, knocked on the door of our studios and they said, hi, we're listeners and we have something for you. We were traveling and we tried this in a Manhattan and the bartender explained it to us. This is a product from Britain. They said, we went so crazy over this. I said, why? And they said, well, because we said, what drink would you like to do? And he said, I'd like to do a filthy Manhattan. 
And they said, what? And he said, a filthy Manhattan. What does that mean? Yeah, exactly. Is that what you mean? He said, no, I'm using the new rage. So here's what happened. There is a beautiful dark cherry that is made in England, and the company is called Filthy. And so everything they do has that name on it. These are filthy black cherries. They are phenomenal in a cocktail, whether it's a gin and tonic, a vodka tonic, a Manhattan, my favorite. Uh They're absolutely fabulous. It's from Britain. So I wanted to thank the guys. These are wild Italian Amarena stemless cherries. Amarena. Slow cook to deliver a sweet front and a tart finish in a traditional syrup. Yum. And so there yeah. you go. Look that up. Filthy food. Thanks, Tom and Ed, Fuchu's <laughs> listeners. Okay. I got a little worried there. <laughs> Especially when Alex said dirty glass. I'm like, wait a minute. What kind of bar were they in? It's exactly. the Purell. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, Alex, Carlo, please join the show as we go. We have, as you know, Rolando Baramendi talking about his food. We're going to talk about all kinds of food. So, you know how, Alex and everybody, you know how we like to cruise through all the publications and see what great work our colleagues are doing, and then we like to salute them if they've done something particularly well. So this time, I'd like a shout-out to Cook's Illust- – I always say I'm never going to say that. A <laughs> shout-out. I mean, it sounds – and here I am just saying it. It's suddenly hey. in my vocabulary. Hey. Yeah, crept into oh, all of your vocabulary. Oh. <laughs> I mean, you just can't help it. So – I salute Cooks Illustrated for this tip, and the tip comes from Ashley Anderson in Wisconsin, who said, if this happens to you, you know how you have, we have here, thanks to Carlo, a a wine decanter, because he brought us a special wine from Italy, and we're going to tell you why that is here. It's unbelievable, one of the best wines I have ever had. So we've got, Alex, this decanter on the table, and this is like my water bottles at home. And I look at them and I think, how – everybody's hand's been on it. How am I going to clean this when I get to the sink? Your hand can't fit in there. So this was a great tip. This woman said she takes a wooden spoon and rubber bands, takes a sponge, wraps it around the end of the wooden spoon with the rubber bands, and then squeezes it into either the decanter Good or the tip. water bottle mm-hmm. because your hands can't fit down there. And then like soap it. and water gets all those yeah. marks off of it. And I thought that was a great tip. Yeah. That's simple, right? Alex, do you have that problem with wine decanters? Yeah, and you're always afraid to stick your hand. If, if it breaks, it's going to cut you as well. So I'm always cautious. It's, you know, they're fragile glass. And also with those long jars, I'm a jar saver. I'm like a jar hoarder. So with, <laughs> with the long jars that have had, ol- <laughs> that have had <laughs> olives and pickles and pepperoncini, right, Carlo? Yeah. Um, and you don't have to buy anything. You just use a sponge you already have and rubber bands. Exactly. Right? Yes, yeah. yes, a bacteria-laden sponge. It's absolutely fantastic. Not a filthy sponge. (laughs) Okay. Slow cooked. (laughs) Um, All right. So, Alex, I want you to tell me about your experience. Here's what happened. Alex's husband, Matthew Bennett, was named president of Cigna Phoenix. And so they have moved to Arizona. 
And that's why Alex is going to be joining us often, sometimes in our studio in New Haven, but often from public radio in Phoenix. And I thought it would be really fun for Alex to talk to us about what it's like to experience for the first time Southwestern food. So, Alex, what is it like? To what extent did you know Southwestern food? I only know it so, a little bit, but I like it when I have it. Yeah, I grew up in Connecticut. So like you, you know, I just used to not the greatest Mexican food, but I'm trying to find like that thread of Spanishness, tying it in for my, my mom and my grandmother to see how Spanish influence reached out here and and using indigenous ingredients. And it kind of reminds me of like Italian food in a way, like we made enchiladas using canned enchilada sauce. And then I was like, you know, I bet you can make your own. And sure enough, you can actually make your own enchilada sauce. And I made them last night and mm. using dried ancho chilies that you soak in water and then really turns out to be pretty easy to do. So I'm really new at this, but I'm loving it. The spices are or cumin and a lot of lime and lemons mm. and other citruses. Mm. You know, they, they just fall off the trees here. You go to your backyard and, <laughs> and you know, I thought of you at the grocery store because they had just this mound of blood oranges. Oh, wow. And you know oh. how we love them for cocktails. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. So remember uh, once I had to, you know, I was making a drink. I had to drive all over the place just to find one in Connecticut. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're they're, they're you know, all over? They're everywhere. Oh. So, so it's a whole new spice cabinet for us. What's all these different what's flavors. Ex it's exciting what you're saying about, say, the ancho chilies, because in, say, the Stop and Shop uh, near where I live, I can get bags of these chilies that you would talk about. I can get those. I don't necessarily know what to do with them, so I'm really looking forward to you telling us. So you yeah. put you soak them in water. Are they super hot? They're not. So they're different kinds. So I just use the ancho chilies because I, I know them not to be hot. And you're exactly right. Mm -hmm. You open up that cellophane bag and they're kind of like a raisin in there. And then you just cut it in half with a big knife and then pull out the seeds and you put it in warm water. And then within 20 minutes, they reconstitute to almost like a, mm -hmm. like a roasted chili pepper. And then, and then you know, what do you goes... do with it when you're making the well, enchilada? You saute some onions with some garlic, and this is kind of crazy. I use lard, so I, sure. I, and I'm still here, so it uh, <laughs> no no chest pain. So I sauteed classic vegetables and lard, and then I took the reconstituted chilies and I put them in a. I just use an immersion blender, and it turns into like this almost like a tomato sauce, ah. and then that goes into like a heavy bottom saucepan. And you cook it for 30 minutes, and all of a sudden you, you've got this delicious enchilada sauce that I threw in with um, – again, they have all these Mexican cheeses here that are we don't really find back home. Let me like, see if I can remember. Is it Cotijo? Yeah, that was one of them. And then all these creams, like sour creams as well. Oh, wow. And I made myself these little enchiladas, and you pour this homemade enchilada sauce and in, and it goes into the oven. Are you using corn tortillas, and are they local, or, or are you just getting them out of the supermarket? Well, if you go to the supermarket here, there's a huge stand of them. And I go for the ones that have the ugliest packaging that look most authentic, right? <laughs> like instead of all the, the colored packaging, I look. Right. A lady used... in her kitchen somewhere <laughs> yeah. on a dirt road. It's, like, yeah. it's what we're all looking for. <laughs> you know, and pretty soon maybe I'll have Matt making. I tell him we could grind our own flour <laughs> corn. <laughs> maybe Matt can make his own tortillas they after do, work. They do taste incredible when 
when you can get that real yeah. corn flavor. Can I just jump in and say that Carlo Forzani, who, as I mentioned, is a Connecticut lawyer, but also is about to go on his great adventure of bringing in uh, his own, making his own wines in the Piemonte region of Italy. I think he resonated. He's sitting here with us when, when I was watching his face when you said it reminds me almost about local ingredients and Italian it, food. It's true. I love Southwestern food. And I love Mexican food. And I've always wondered what the comparison was with Italian because obviously they're not the same culture. Uh, and Alex, maybe you can speak to this, but I've always thought that Southwestern food, which was crossbreeding with Northern Mexican food, was La Cucina Povera, which in Italian is the, mm, the, the yeah. poor people's food. Yeah. It's really basic ingredients, very simply presented and wonderful, wonderfully direct food. Carlo, you're so right. It's exactly that. It's these simple, like, pure ingredients that speak on their own. They, they don't need a whole lot done to them. Right. Same as Italian food. Yeah. yeah. You can Go see ahead. that thread. So this is all across cultures when you think about it. I remember when um, Prasad Chernamula was on the show, yeah. the Indian chef, and oh, he yeah. has mm -hmm. India in West Hartford. He did a restaurant in New Haven that was Oaxaca. a fusion, Oaxaca, of Mexican and Indian. So as I hear Alex and Carlo talking about this, I know I'm looking at Mark, I'm looking at Chris. In all these cultures, there is some overlap where you start – look at America, how we have taken certain spices and ingredients from people coming to this land and they've all it's come true. together somehow. It's, it's true. It's just fabulous. It's such yeah. creative – stuff going on it, when it all it, comes together. The cooking where, Carlo, you'll know like in Italy they use like the earthenware pots, right? Of course. And here I'm using these like Mexican earthenware that not only have this sort of gentle cooking, but they also like infuse these minerals from the clay, mm -hmm. which you see like in Spain and North Africa and Italy mm -hmm. and you see it here too. Yeah. So let me go to Chris Brasberry on that remark because I have tried to make coco van, chicken and wine. About five billion times. And I never can make it the way it tastes in France. Okay. And right. I just think, what in the world is going on? Finally, I talked to – who knows if this is true? Yeah. But I talked to a, a Frenchman, a okay. very good chef. And he said to me, what pot are you using? Yeah. And I said, I'm using La La. Yeah. And he said, well, you need to have a tin-lined really? copper pot. Wow. And I said, yeah. well, with copper? And he said, well – that's what comes with a tin lining. I said, are you telling me the tin somehow flavors, flavors the interior? <laughs> and he said, with the wine up against it, sure. yes, it does. So uh -huh. what did I yeah. do? Did I went out and I bought yeah. a tin and lined did that work? copper pot. Absolutely, See? it did. Sense of place. Amazing. Right? Yeah. That's yeah. what it is. It's That's sense it. of place. You know, the pots that they use, the spices, the, everything that they do in a certain place gives the food its own thing. Can I jump in? Um, Carlo, in March oh. in Italy, because I've always wanted to make a Coco Van, even though I'm Italian. I, I want to make an Italian version of Coco Van. Mm -hmm. But I went to my local butcher there, and he told me to buy a rooster. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Completely That's different. That's traditional. The yeah. rooster was unbelievable. Mm -hmm. It had a deep, deep yeah. flavor. Yep. Yeah. And More they, gamey. And, but, yeah. Chris, in the old days, and Alex knows this from Spain, you know Mark from Argentina, mm -hmm. they would put a rooster, little rooster blood into the dish. And mm -hmm. what happened after years was you would see some versions of this where they would say, add dark cocoa. Mm -hmm. And I thought, dark cocoa? In Mexico. Well, these weren't in in some French restaurants. I was like, yeah. what? To replace and then the they blood. said, replace wow. the blood. They yeah. were trying Gives to get that, that richness. dark note. Yeah. 
So and, it's and like it, blood it sausage in Scotland. Same thing. Yeah. yeah. And it is made with an old chicken or an old a rooster. A tough old yeah, chicken. A tough right? old, and, and that rooster. has a totally different flavor than a young bird. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Who's resonating to tough old bird? I just want to That's us. <laughs> I think Mark, Mark isn't in that club yet. I don't know about that. Clo- close behind us. <laughs> Tough old bird. Okay. Um, so here's what's going to happen. I can't wait for this. We're going to be talking with the Italian chef Rolando Baramendi, and you'll see why he's amazing. He has a book called Authentico, Cooking Italian the Authentic Way. And we have a local person, Carlo Forzani, who is a lawyer in Connecticut, family law, and he has made us a feast of his Italian dishes and also brought in an array of wines for us to try, some available in Connecticut. But he wants us to know what he intends to do with the vineyard he has inherited in the Piemonte region of Italy, if you've ever had a dream like this. And when I tell you the wine he brought in that he intends to duplicate exactly. It's one of the best wines I've ever had in all my life. So I am rooting for this guy to succeed. All right, that's what's going to happen. Plus, who knows what? You know this show. It's always a surprise. More mouth-watering conversation and fun here on The Food Schmooze. Please don't go away. Life is just a bowl of cherries So Don't make it serious. No. Life is too mysterious. Yes, you work. You work and you say even baby you worry so. But you can't take nothing with you when you go, go, go so. I'm Faith Middleton, prepared to be dazzled. Come with me to explore the longest coastline in the Italian peninsula. I'm leading a food and wine trip to one of the least known and most beautiful regions of Italy, Puglia, bordered by two seas, aqua waters, ancient architecture, amazing food and wine, the town of Lecce. We'll experience it all and also spend a few days exploring and eating in Rome, too. Top flight hotels. And trust me, they want to knock us out because they know I'm reporting on the experience. If you'd like to attend, I would write me quickly. And that is fmiddleton at ctpublic.org. Hope to see you there. Conrad had a fight. Beans, Beans not Conrad out of sight. Beans. Conrad said, now that's all right. Beans. Meet me on the corner tomorrow night. Beans. I'll be ready.
I'm Faith Middleton. Thank you so much for listening to the Food Schmooze. We don't care whether you listen to the show in small bites or eat the whole thing. We're just <laughs> glad you're here. Here's who's with me, my food buddies. We have Chris Prosperi, chef and co-owner of Metro Beast Restaurant in Simsbury, Connecticut. Our wine guy, Mark Raymond, you hear him introducing us to all kinds of incredible wines. Earlier, that rosé, that summer rosé called 11 Minutes. We have Alex Province joining us from Phoenix Public Radio. He's senior contributor on the show, and he is now in Phoenix on a regular basis, sometimes visiting us in the studio in New Haven. He's in Phoenix right now, and he's introducing us to southwestern food and wines like he always does. But we're just so excited to have Alex with us. And we have Carlo Forzani, who is a family lawyer and just an amazing home cook, and it's got a vineyard. He inherited a vineyard and land from his family in the Piemonte region of Italy. In which Alto is, Piemonte, which is north, high Piemonte. Even high Piemonte. Right up against the Alps. So I, I was there and walking on the edge of cliffs and uh, tall enough so that I could pick lemons off the tops of the trees and see the mountains just beyond. That's true. It was heaven on earth. That's true. I went crazy for the wines in your region, Carlo. And the reason I asked Carlo on the show is I had heard from a friend that he was going to go to Italy and take advantage of the prime acreage that his family vineyard and go for it big time. And start doing an international line of wines for us and other countries. Carlo, I'm re-welcoming you to the show. Thank you. You brought us a wine that is not for sale anywhere. This is one of the most delicious wines I have ever had in my mouth. I went nuts over this wine. You did. Thank you. I you did. really and you, Mark, you said, "Oh my God, elegant beyond." I don't belief. think I've ever seen you react that way. It's it's like, <laughs> and I've seen you react to a lot of things. <laughs> now you guys um, are making me crazy. <laughs> okay, uh, let me you just totally you. appreciate this. This is an, a Nebbiolo, which is the grape, traditional grape from Piemonte. Yes. Okay, so Carlo, this is made by your friend. It's made by my friend Gianfranco Negri, who's the father, and uh, his son Alessandro. In my neighborhood, in my neighborhood in Italy. In yeah. consultation with them, you want to recreate this wine and bring it to the us and to the international market. That, that's my mission. Well, what does this mean for your acreage in your region? What is it called? Well, we're in Alto Piemonte. Yes. And Alto Piemonte has two or three uh, legal classifications of wine. We are in the one called Bramaterra. Which means, if you watched Under the Tuscan Sun, you know that Bramara means to long for, and Terra means land. So long it's for longing land. for the land. But that is not Bramatera. That's 100% Nebbiolo. So this is actually hard to find, well, almost yeah. impossible, to find from Italy 100% Nebbiolo, no you, right? no, you can find it. You can find it in Valtellina, which is above Lake Como. And you can find it in Barbaresco and Barolo, the famous regions uh, two hours south of me. That's right. So this wine that I'm so crazy about, and Alex, you and Mark in particular, this is 100% Nebbiolo. How do you duplicate this? You grow the Nebbiolo. You tend it with love and obsessive compassion and craziness. Meaning you remove all the grapes that are not perfect as the as the summer goes on. 
And then by the time you reach late September or early October, you're left with only those grapes that are as close to perfection as reality can make them. This is what your friend is doing to make this home-bottled wine. He does what the commercial producers called a green harvest. As the summer goes along, he harvests the grapes and they're green, meaning he cuts them out and he throws them out. He throws them in the vineyard. Expensive thing to do, right? Very. Yeah. But that's what the great Barolo and Barbaresco producers do. We all know in the wine business that great wine is made in the vineyard, not in the cellar. Right. Because in the cellar, you're going to keep things as simple as possible. If you're smart. If you're smart. And if you want to make truly great wine, you're not going to mess with nature. It's in the vineyard where you tend the grapes and you cull them and you get rid of all the grapes that aren't perfect. And you just throw them down in their fertilizer for the next summer. Can someone describe the wine to me? What's it look like? Alex, this is Nebbiolo in purezza, in purity. It's just like a great Barolo or Barbaresco. That's what it's like. But it's from well, – like You look the, at the color and you're thinking, wow, this could be this, Grand Cru Pinot Noir. If this had been a Barolo, I would just go insane. I, I mean, honestly, I just – at the end of it, Alex, I was saying, what can I do? How can I – do I have to go there? Do I have to – what can I say to this man who's only you're made ringing the bottle out, 600 right? bottle, <laughs> bottles of this stuff? If you – Carlo Forzani, if you can duplicate this – it will run. be an international we, we can... hit beyond imagining. <laughs> I hope so. It's my mission and yeah. my hope. You brought this because this is your great passion, this wine right here. Right? Yes. That bottle you're holding is going to be our flagship wine. <sighs> All right. That's a great start. And yeah. Ken, let's see. His land is over here. Your land is right here. No, my land is in the same neighborhood. So and are... actually, my land is higher than his. Closer the, to the sun. Yes, it's higher. It's got cooler better nights, exposure, right? cooler evenings. You're right, Alex. That vineyard is at about 150, 200 meters we high. That. Yeah. Mine are at 385 wow. meters. Is so that not better? It's or? a little bit better, yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so in beer, it is possible to make every beer every year taste exactly the same. Right. And not, if anyone, not in wine. Anyone who drinks Budweiser knows what I'm talking about. They hire people, as Chris Mm -hmm. has explained, who have the ability to duplicate exactly what came the year before, the year before, for decades. Okay. So in wine, this is much more of a craft. So that brings me to how do you duplicate this? You have the right vineyard. You prune the vines the way they need to be pruned, which is pretty severely. Yes. You... You're willing to have waste y- yes, for the final yes, product. Yes, okay. and you're willing in in bad years. I'm going to taste this. Go ahead. To declassify it, which right. means you're not going to call it anymore your flagship wine. You're going to sell it, so it's not part of your label, or you're going to lower oh the grade. Right. You're going to have to yeah, take it. Yeah, you you declassify it. Second yeah. label. Right. It's second hard label. financial decisions right. to make. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, Very hard. If, not if you're trying to make the best wine. It's not. Right. And you know what? Business. Wine is half passion and half finance. You have it's to have the money to yeah. to hold out over decades. Right. What do you do? I so mean, Mark knows. Mark talked about that. I mean, so you're in the midst of gathering your your people, right? Your backers. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's how it works. Yeah, but we've seen all over Europe in the last few vintages that villages like Chibli have been absolutely decimated for the last three vintages. Decimated why? By hail. And hail Storms. comes through or frost. Frost. And it, if they take 40, 60% of your crop, then guess what? a lot of money. 
That's and they have no insurance against and this. You're talking about a finite amount of product that's Alex, being made. Yeah. Alex is talking about yeah. insurance. That's right. And if you declass, if Barolo, if a Barolo producer declassifies his Barolo. Yeah, and what's now, the price change? It depends yeah. on the Barolo, yeah. Yeah. right? But if you take a $125 Barolo, a bottle, yeah. and you declassify it, and you either sell it off yeah. at a tenth the amount, or wow. you call it Nebbiolo now, yeah. Nebbiolo del Piemonte, yeah. it goes from $140 a bottle to $20 a bottle. Wow. Chris, mm. you, so, you do your ooh. short ribs in Barolo, right? Yeah. 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 So it ends up there. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. How, That's how I use a declassified one. So knowing yeah. this, Carlo, here we have a wine which doesn't have the official classification Correct. and is one of the best wines I've ever, ever had. How are you going to make it if it doesn't have the official classification if I had tasted this at a tasting and, I, you know, they said to me, $125 a bottle, I'd be running to raid my piggy bank. I'd be calling <laughs> my friends and saying, you want to chip in for something extraordinary? I actually yeah. think that wow. bottle is worth 80 to $120. Yeah. That's my I opinion. Are you guys barrel aging it? Is it um, does it, it go into wood? It goes into wood, but it goes into very old wood. It's not oaky at all. No. It's not an oak. Sir Faith, I'm trying to visualize what you guys are chewing up for here. Okay, yeah, you know what? Do so you know do you know um Mascarello or do you know um Bruno Giacosa? This is mm-hmm. a traditionally made wine like the traditional Barolos. Mm-hmm. It's aged in Wood, but the wood is very large. The it's big very 500 old. liters. Yeah. Yes. Bolti. The big one, they're the big, bolti. The That's big right. bolti. Yeah, they're, they're 50 hectoliters. Yeah. It's about as big as the room. room. Yeah. So, so there's very little oak in that. You're, you're so tasting fruit. When we were on our food and wine tour, we went to uh, Jacosa. And Alex, I know you, Mark, you know those wines. Gorgeous. Yeah. It's a great Jacosa's honor to be just gorgeous. But I got to tell you, I'm not kidding you, Carlo. I would have this. And a heartbeat yeah, it's alongside well, thank you. Thank you both or even that. more. Honestly, uh, you I'm know, not these kidding are, you. I appreciate that because I have been drinking that for years and I have been telling Alessandro and his father Gianfranco that this compares with some of the best Barolos I've had. Mm-hmm. And they mm-hmm. laugh at me, it, you know, but yeah. it does. Yes, so so you're going to work together, shall we say? We're gonna, we're gonna. I'm going to make that. You're going to make that. I'm work so fast, excited. <laughs> I know. Work fast. Work hard. Get those. Get well, those. There, there is some lead time. You notice that's a 2012. That's yeah. six years ago. So how? So that's another thing. How long it has to sit in a cellar, right? Or? Yes, it depends what you're making. But uh, for Brahmatera, it has to sit there for uh, 18 months at least. For a Reserva, 36 months. Wow, wow. Three years. Now, now, Carla, there's also like fun ones that you can go and you can just walk over to your neighbor's house and they'll they'll fill you a jug, right? Sure. There's also the simple like farm wine that's fun to there drink. There is. That's called vino sciolte, which means loose loose wine. And you bring your jug and they fill it up for $10, 12, yeah. 12 euros. Mm-hmm. Alex and I always talk about the fountains in certain places in certain countries where instead of water – there, you'd bring your jug, and there is wine pouring out of the fountain. I, know I have not seen that, but in the movies, maybe. You'd have a bench there, too, right? It sounds like an adult bedtime story, I know. But no, I'm serious. And there's some places they do it for tourism. So yeah. may you do that, too. And you're Yeah. <laughs> and invite us. Yeah, you're all welcome to my plan. house in, in Maserano. When are you going to start this? You need to see how things come together, correct? I do. We're probably going to plant our first vineyard either this fall or next spring 2019. All right. Are you trying to be you, as organic oh, awesome. as possible? Yes. Now, whether I'm going to be certified organic 
is not the important issue. The important issue is whether we're going to do things without chemicals and naturally. Which, but you're gonna, it's your land, so you're going to love it. Absolutely. And take care of it. Yeah, and you know, it's Aww. like my vegetable garden. It's all organic. Aww. It's all sustainable. It's all nature. I'm so thrilled to hear you're going to do something as wholesome as possible. And thank you for bringing this line to the you're show. Welcome. Because this is such a rare pleasure. experience. My pleasure. Thank you. And to meet you and to hear mm. about what you plan to do is just a thrill. Thank you. you it's know, a thrill for may me. May you be a, a big success with this. Thank I, you. Thank yeah, you. Thank yeah. you so much. Carlo Forzani, family law practitioner who lives in Torrington, Connecticut. We're just, we're obviously cheering him on. You know us on the show. We love the local. Coming up in the next segment of the show, we have Italian food importer and now cookbook author, Rolando Baramendi. Ina Garten has done an introduction to his book because she believes in what he does so much. It's called Authentico, Cooking Italian the Authentic Way. And what do you hear the voice? Um, a big, big Italian show. That's coming up next, so don't go away. Middleton, thank you so much for joining us here on the Food Schmooze. Maybe you're just jumping into the show. Perhaps you've been listening for a while. Here is what's going to happen. We have an author, Rolando Baramendi. He has done a cookbook, and it's called Authentico. He lives in San Francisco, in Florence, Italy, and New York City. Okay, so he's one of these international guys, but the best part of this man, besides his love of Italian food, because the book is fabulous, but the best part of this guy is when people come up to you in Italy who are doing something exceptional, and it's kind of small, and you just think, why can't I take back with me this hazelnut producer? Or This man, Rolando Baramendi, helps those people bring their product to America, even though it's not, you know, Heinz or something like that. So this is how we get to taste the jewels of Italy. So I'm especially excited about him. And by the way, Ina Garten, our friend on the show, has done the foreword for this cookbook because years ago on the east end of Long Island, Rolando walks into Barefoot Contessa, Ina Garten's store, and says, I want to show you these things. And she orders wow. like, everything yes. and says, oh, my God, we have to have this. We have to have that. John, awesome. do you? We're having everything you're bringing, I'm doing. They have remained good colleagues. So, Rolando Baramendi, welcome to the Fuchmus. Thank you very much for having me, Faith. It's an honor. Well, for us, too. I just wonder, when you say in your book that you want to help us, as you do, to cook real, authentic Italian, what is the secret to that? Not as if there's one secret, but 
What is that about? And can we do this here when we don't have the same soil and sun and water affecting the original product? For me, I see it as, as shifting the attention from what you want to eat to what you have in your pantry, making it with the best ingredients possible. So for me, cooking with high-quality olive oil or very good ingredients is paramount because you will immediately taste the difference if you're using more industrially produced products. So ingredients is the number one. And then the second one would be just like when you are in Italy, you have a plate of pasta with maybe two to three ingredients. I think that we tend to complicate things too much. When the conversation crosses the Atlantic, it just seems to me that also because of all the wonderful chefs and, and the way that people want to be ooh and ah, you know, in America, we tend to complicate things too much. Whereas when you are eating in Italy, it's just basically spaghetti with crushed pecorino and crushed pepper. And that's it. Yes. You don't need to put more on that. I want to focus on a recipe that is a prime example of what you just said. And it's at foodschmooze.org right now. Now, listen to this. Three ingredients. Shaved fennel, porcini, mushroom, and pecorino. Oh, great combination. So, great Car- combination. Mm-hmm. So delicious. Oh, I mean, fabulous. Really. So fennel bulbs that are sliced, a porcini mushroom sliced, pecorino cheese in pieces, extra virgin olive oil, the juice of a fresh lemon, a little bit of parsley, a little bit of mint leaves, a little sea salt, and some black peppercorns. So how does this come together, and how is it an example of what we have in Italy? You know, this simple, simple salad, and you look at each other and you say, this is unbelievable. So tell me how it comes together. That is a prime example of what we should be eating. I think that we have forgotten how to chew, and I think everything is becoming too much of a homogeneous bite after bite. Uh, whereas if you use a nice, sharp chef knife, you slice the fennel all irregularly, you slice the pecorino, which should be nice and sharp and very old and crumbly almost. And then as well, the, the porcini mushrooms, which they give that wonderful, you know, woody, taste to it all. Mm-hmm. Some fresh oil and the cracked pepper and the salt, it just it bursts in your mouth. It, it jumps and every bite will be different one from the other. That's the best part. So yeah, he's I right. think that we always had some leftover vegetables and so the whole the, those four recipes that I put in Authentico, which means to saw, is you usually use a sharp bread knife or a chef knife. You can make combinations of whatever you want in each season. So what I did is, is try to teach you into trying to make your own combinations as well. Well, this is Carlo Forzani. You know, your family's from Italy, Piemonte region, and you're hearing this, and you just made us a feast, a banquet. And these were simple ingredients, but so their food was so delicious. And I can see you perking up listening well, to this. Well, yes, and I'm perking up, Rolando, because you know the phrase in Italian, uh, si sposano? It, si sposano in Italian means okay. they marry each other. And that recipe yeah. that Rolando's talking about, it marries, you know? And, and I see yeah. Chris over there. Yeah, totally. It means two ingredients that were met by destiny to be together. Each one points <laughs> up the other. 
right? And if you make something where they marry each other, you don't need anything more to complicate it. You just want to go to the wedding. <laughs> so, so, so you know when you go into a certain – that's beautifully said. When you go into a certain Italian restaurant, I would tend to be with a recipe like this kind of northern Italian to me. It is. It's very yeah. simple. Well, it's clean. A few beautiful ingredients. That it could be Pugliese, on. though. Yes, you know. it could. Yes. Okay. So we put the salad down in front of you, and you're not sure whether to order. You think, okay, I'll try the fennel salad. And here it is, just these three ingredients with a little olive oil and fresh lemon, and some mint leaves, and you go crazy. You just think, what is this food? It's just so fabulous, these simple it's, ingredients when they're good ingredients like Rolando says. Yeah. The other thing I want to say is, and Rolando, you said this, cooking is going to market. If you don't have good ingredients, you don't have good food. So marketing is everything yeah. to me. And I have a huge garden, by the way, because I, I have to have ingredients that me, were picked today. Let me jump in and ask you people. Here's the real thing. If we have right now listening to us people who have incredibly busy lives, they don't necessarily have gardens. I'm going to try that salad that we put on the website because it just is so amazing. But, you know, they're going to a supermarket. And they're doing their best. They can't always go to a farmer's market just down the road. I try to as much as I can. So, Chris, how do we translate this? Can we do it anywhere? Yeah, we can because a lot of our markets use stuff from local farms now. So right now, I would do this salad, cut it just like he said. I would do exactly what he said. I'd find a nice bulb of fennel, fresh asparagus, slice it thin like he said, and the pecorino cheese. And boom, you have a salad because we don't have porcinis right now. But you can always find Mm -hmm. something to shave. Right. And make this salad with. Mm-hmm. And right now, asparagus. Shave the asparagus lengthwise it, on a it. little really mandolin. On a mandolin. Oh, yeah. it'd be heaven. Or oh, even if you like don't have a mandolin, take your um, potato peeler yeah, yeah, sure. and just slice it down <gasps> the asparagus yeah. and you get with that nice the, thin slice. And the pecorino as well. Yeah. yeah. All right. So the book is Autentico. You will see this on our website with his recipes, Cooking Italian the Authentic Way. I think you can hear the spirit of how this works. Now, Rolando, sit and listen to this part because we asked Chris – Prosperi, if he would make your recipe that we have on the website, pizza without crust. I was very excited about this. <laughs> I felt like I'm, a kid like again. A pizza nut. So it was delicious. Chris, walk us through fast. How did it come together? Uh, so a good tomato sauce, you can use his or use whatever you have. You know, just a really good, simple, fresh, fresh tomato sauce, salt and pepper. Fresh basil, and then you bring that up to a simmer. And once you got that to a simmer, you cut buffalo mozzarella or regular mozzarella into chunks or strips. You put that in the tomato sauce until it gets just to the point where it's melty and starts being Mm. stretchy a little Mm -hmm. bit. Bring the pot right to the table with fresh ciabatta bread. You can do olives, anchovies, uh, pepperoncini peppers. Just have on the side. And you dip the bread, right, or you spoon the sauce over the bread. And the cheese. uh, And the cheese. And then you put a little olive on it or anchovy. We could have just done that all day, right? Sweeping my (laughs) I'm eating my notebook over here. (laughs) (laughs) So Sorry, Alex. And, and, you know, I put it on the stove and I'm like, I put too much tomato sauce and we're never going to eat that much. And you know what happened. Yeah, right. Sure. It, it was all gone. Every drop. Yeah. 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 Honestly, it was just so, so good. So, and it's so you. easy to share with people. You know, I could totally see that with a, a group of kids. 
at the table before a dinner, before a bigger dinner, or just something that you want to pick on for a snack in the afternoon. Mark, your wife Mary is from Argentina. You're Italian. You have Spanish in your background. This is so much about this international way where you've got a bowl of something delicious and you're sweeping your bread through it mm. and it's like this topless little style. taste of something and delicious. It's not about, when I think about the artists of old standing around with a pot of spaghetti on the stove, no fussiness. Just yeah. a quick homemade sauce, this it's bowl of this delicious sauce, communal. and just a communal. Bag, loaf and, of bread. And along that point, if yeah. you're looking for a way to get the kids to stay at the table for a little while, because how many times oh. do they come to the table, eat yeah. their meal, and they're gone? Yeah. You know, you put this out, and now everybody's got bread, and everybody's got to kind of sit around it for a yeah. little while. And, and all those kind of strikes up little conversations. Little Rolando, yeah. what, what are, you, are you hearing this? This is what you've inspired. I, <laughs> I am so happy. I, can, I want to be there with all of you. Oh, I know. <laughs> We're going to come see you. You actually understand the feeling of what that whole recipe is all about. Yeah. It's that being authentic. That's cooking authentic food. That's, it brings togetherness. It brings love to the table. It brings a lot of laughter. And one of my most favorite things about that recipe is that you eat with your hands. Yeah. And there's nothing more Absolutely. beautiful than eating with your hands. Con le mani. I, I, I love it. Con le mani. See, we just did this with... Carlos food, same thing. Okay, I, I, I don't want to lose you before we get to this. I want to tell you something. There is a food site that is very popular with people, and they chose, there's a, a great restaurateur in New York and other places, Danny Meyer, and in one of his restaurants, the number one dessert mentioned on the site was the olive oil cake. And now, unfortunately, yep. the restaurant took it off the menu. I don't know why. You know how people feel they must change <laughs> things. So when I saw your recipe for extra virgin olive oil cake, I was crazy. And I guess this is from uh, Contessa Beatrice Contini uh, Bonacossi of Tenuta di Capizana. Yes. yes, it is. Yes. So this is her recipe. And I'm sure you have adapted it a little bit, but all-purpose flour, baking powder, baking soda, a little salt, some eggs, honey, local honey, if you can, please, uh, extra virgin olive oil, whole milk, the zest of some oranges, a little confectioner's sugar on the top, and one orange thinly sliced into rounds. Oh, don't you want this cake? We have this on oh the website, foodschmooze.org. So um, what happened when you first tasted this cake, Torta di uh, Capizana? Well, I think that, as you can see, I used copious amounts of olive oil throughout the cookbook. I think olive oil is the most essential ingredient in, in my food. And if you use really good olive oil, it will change the flavor of anything you make. And so the first time that I was at the Tenuta de Capezzana in 1992, I think it was, I had this olive oil cake, and it was so nice. When you eat something with olive oil, you don't end up with that sort of fatty, greasy stuff stuck on the top of your palate. So it was so clean and so smooth, the, the, the texture, that I was quite taken by it. And yes, indeed, I have taken a step and played around with that recipe as Years have gone by, and what I have changed is I've changed the sugar to the honey because I'm a big honey addict. 
Mm-hmm. And I used in the recipe always chestnut honey from Tuscany. Oh, oh that's the best. Oh, oh, wow. That's the best. The best. So dark. Flavored to it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. the very best. And Rolanda, do you have that with a little so, glass of Vin Santo? Exactly. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. And, and it's wonderful if you do it on a cookie sheet, like I wrote in the book, and just cut them like brownies and then uh, pop it with maybe a little bowl of ice cream. I, I'd like that. I like this recipe. Uh, poached pizza. I, I need that recipe. So it's, I know. It's really delicious. At the beginning of the show, the we had these cherries. That's what I'm putting right. on it. So we were given as a gift. Um, a company has started in England called Filthy. And what they make is a a bunch of garnishes and drink things under the brand name Filthy. And so these are Italian Amarena cherries. They're called Filthy Cherries. And Chris was just holding up the jar and saying, wow, would I like to put this on top (laughs) of your olive oil. You could put almost anything on top of the olive oil cake because it's – Or nothing. Yeah, Yeah. or nothing. And just just coffee or vin santo. More honey. I'm just crazy about this recipe. And thank you for letting us put it on foodschmooze.org. I I wish I had gotten a chance to talk about your – let me just do it quickly. Your quick vegetable broth. Um, how you roast vegetables, how to do a real Tuscan ragu. And these are things without fuss. They're very simple and yet speak to the Italian tradition, as you've heard Rolando talk about it. There is a focaccia with extra virgin olive oil, a zucchini tart, a kind of farro soup, mixed fried seafood. Uh, we're coming. We're going to come to the season. We're almost there. Broken fresh tomato halves with uh, capers in them, spaghetti with egg, pecorino, romano, and I never say this right. Is it guanciale? Guanciale. 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 Perfect. Okay. <laughs> on and on it goes. Just terrific. So... Thank you so much, Rolando Baramendi, for being on the show. The book is called Authentico, but your spirit is just beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Trace, and thank you to all of you. Pleasure talking to you. Pleasure. Okay. See you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. The Food Schmooze airs Thursdays at 3 and 9 and Saturdays at noon. Please remember, never eat more than you can lift. In New Haven, I'm Faith Middleton. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast on your schedule. And when you need a little more party in your life, we're here online at foodschmooze.org. And we hope you'll talk with us on Facebook. We're at Faith Middleton Foodschmooze.